Hey, what is up, you guys? I'm Paige. I'm Lily. And I'm Clint. And this is Awfully Good Podcast, the podcast for people that get stuck in adult conversations at the party, but also where we tell you the dirty secret of society's most notorious heroes. This is our second freaking podcast. Woo! Yeah. Which means our first podcast is out now. So go listen, where we tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, most of the bad, the ugly, of police unions. We hate to do it to you guys. We really do. We love a good Hershey's bar. Hot chocolate, anyone? But there's some stuff that you need to know. Well, Lily, can you give us a little backstory into the cocoa industry? Yeah, absolutely. Chocolate is about 2,000 years old. Its origin can be dated back to the Olmec people of ancient Mexico. And it was used mostly by the Mayan and Aztec empires, largely as a form of currency, due to the belief that cacao beans had a direct correlation to the god Quetzalcoatl. It did not reach European countries until the 16th century when it was brought to Spain by known terrorist and murderer Christopher Columbus. After chocolate was brought to Europe, it led to a precipitous rise in the slave industry as well as a rush to colonize and open plantations on lands where the cacao bean would be grown. With the Industrial Revolution in full swing in the early 1800s, chocolate was suddenly far easier and cheaper to produce. Uh, This led to the rise of chocolate giants like Hershey and Lindt, Um, In 1979, the Ivory Coast became the world's largest chocolate exporter, totaling at about 1.65 million metric tons a year, and this is where we start getting problems. Um, As far as production and processing means have greatly improved as time has gone on, chocolate is still an incredibly labor-intensive crop to cultivate. Um, Farmers who own the lands, laborers that work them, other workers in the villages surrounding the farms, Um, They all send it onto an export ship that all have a part to play in getting chocolate to a place where it can get to you in time for your next event. Um, Because the Ivory Coast produces so much, the chocolate industry accounts for a very large portion of the GDP, totaling about 40% of the export income. Um, Regardless of the issues it has, it is definitely going to stay in that country for the time being. However, currently there are about 2 million children that are part of the cultivation of chocolate, mostly in Western Africa, in the countries of Ghana and the Ivory Coast, where there is a significant correlation between these industries and child trafficking. As recently as 2019, a study found that almost 43% of children living in cocoa-growing areas work in these farms, where the majority of them being are between the ages of 5 and 11. So it also has a terrible effect on the environment, um, with almost 80% of the forest in the Ivory Coast forest disappearing between 1960 and 2010. So that also includes the areas that are the largest wild chimpanzee habitat in the country. And that's without going into the effects of unsustainable farming and the over or misuse of pesticides on cocoa farms as well. So although chocolate started out as this really great invention that was allowing a lot of countries to grow really quickly, it very quickly devolved into something that is not only harmful for the environment that it's grown in, but also for the people that rely on it to make a livelihood. That's capitalism, baby. It is capitalism for you. Oh, I think you missed a known rapist in your Christopher Columbus intro. Ooh, you're right. How could I? (laughs) That's, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Slavers, all kinds of stuff. It could have just went on and on and on. Known genocidal maniac. Right. At least give him his accolades, Jesus. <laughs> right. Um, Lily, are companies, I mean, this is not like stuff that we're discovering for the first time. Are any companies doing anything right now to combat like 
I don't know, you know, small issues like freaking child trafficking. So the largest companies that have stakes in specifically the Ivory Coast and Ghana, as well as the rest of the largest like chocolate producing companies in the world, uh, are usually Hershey, Nestle, and Mars, uh, as well as Lindt chocolate as well. Um, they have come under fire for child labor laws pretty much since the Ivory Coast opened up to cocoa farming, so since 1979. Um, it has steadily gotten worse over the years. So they are aware of it. Uh, they have gone on record to say that they can't guarantee that any of their chocolate produced is free of child labor, which is terrifying and horrible. And they have failed to meet deadlines in 2005, 2008, 2010, and just recently in 2020 when they were actually brought down from what it was supposed to be uh, because the original plan was for them to completely get rid of child labor uh, and child slavery. They couldn't meet the deadline, and so they cut it down to 70% as a goal, and that one failed as well this last year. Like, resounding. And that is according to the Human Rights Coalition and also the Business Human Rights Center, and that was from 2020. So who are they making these promises to, and what happens when they don't follow through on you know abolishing child slavery? So from what I've been able to find, it seems like most of the places that are trying to focus on the child labor aspect are mostly the fair trade organizations as well as the Human Rights Coalition. They're the ones that came up with the deadline for them in the first place. And so far, they haven't actually faced any real consequences. It's not like we don't go down like the aisles of the store and see all those chocolate bars. They still are there. They're still being sold. They have. Do these people who are trying to hold these companies accountable, do they have any power? Like, what could they do? Are they just, like, not doing what they should be doing? Or can they not do anything at all? It seems like it's kind of like a, a circular process. So the HRC is in charge of most of the human rights actions that are taken by different countries uh, that don't come from a national standpoint. So without being a nationalized service, uh, it's kind of like the, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. So you know how like the World Wildlife Fund has places all over the world. It's not like a national, it doesn't belong to any one country. It's kind of a global initiative. Uh, basically the same thing there. Um, so they do have power over companies. However, they can't really force them to make their deadline because it's not a nationally backed organization. Like something uh, would be if the Ivory Coast had its own labor initiative or child trafficking organization. Yeah, and from the interviews that I've watched from journalists and reporters going in like undercover um, to these cocoa farms, it seems like it's almost not in their interest to, or like the militia or whoever is guarding that cocoa farm, it's not really in their interest to actually make sure that there's no like child trafficking or anything going on there. Because in the interviews that they were asking, like, do you have people coming in to like monitor your working conditions and everything? And they were like, yeah, but they just, they just kind of like ignore us. Like they look the other way. So it doesn't really sound like there's anybody who's seriously going to try to uh, monitor them. Sounds like Scientology. Scientology, cold. They don't want anybody checking in on them. Yeah, and it seems like most of the... Uh, it's very like cyclical because the people that 
are coming to oversee the farms where the chocolate's actually grown belong to the companies. They don't belong to, like, outside organizations. And then when these people go back to the companies, the companies can basically just alter it to say what they want. Or those people have, you know, alter your motives. It kind of sounds like our last episode. (laughs) Don't (laughs) want to make you guys feel out of the loop if you haven't seen it or heard it. But, um, yeah, the police checked themselves in the last episode, so I don't know if you guys can see where this is going. There's no checks there happening. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Seems like this always happens. Companies or people get really rich and powerful, and the next thing you know, they're making their own rules. That's capitalism. Yeah, and, I mean, even the organizations that I saw were going to, you know, like, have they were like labeling farms as ethically sourced or organic. Um, they did so like little investigation into it. They they only have to check on like, uh, Lily, what is it? Is it like ten percent or something of the yeah. farms? Or they only have mm-hmm. to check on them like once? They do both organic checking and anti-slavery checking. I would think there would be two separate people, two separate groups, organizations doing those totally different things. There may be. I, I'm just thinking, like, the labels that people put on the chocolate bars that are like, this is the organic. I don't know. Is it? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe 10% of it is, if that makes you feel better, Susan, that's buying that organic chocolate bar for little Timmy. So, according to everything that I've seen, especially from resources like the Business Human Rights Resource Center, uh, even chocolate that you see that has a certified ethical label on it, because if you go to stores like Trader Joe's, they have like entire shelves lined with ethical chocolate. Um, It's not actually ethical because the part of the government that would have to control that in the Ivory Coast and in Ghana doesn't exist. Like in the United States, we have the Department of Labor and we have it as a federally guided like mandate we have child labor laws we have working conditions that have to be met that entire section of government doesn't exist in that country and that's kind of where it's getting more difficult to be able to apply anything to it um so just at the very basis of it it the law doesn't exist there is no like minimum age for children to be able to work there's no minimum pay rate uh there's no hourly maximum that you have to meet a day none of that exists uh and the united states department of labor uh has launched several formal investigations into the rise of slave labor in the ivory coast despite what's considered significant progress to the end of the issues doesn't really seem that significant since they haven't met any of the deadlines but that's considered significant progress uh the practice still remains in full swing and there is still over 2 million children that are being affected by it. Yeah, and in some of the interviews that I was watching um, with reporters going to, uh, specifically they were going to look at child labor at these farms. It was insane because these kids are getting um, trafficked with the promise that they are going to go to school, like a lot of them, and it seems like they're getting recruited to go to these cocoa farms instead whenever they leave home. Um, and then they don't go back. And some of these kids are like five years old. They go to these farms and they work with no pay. Like a lot of them get paid with food 
and then they are promised to down the road get land of their own to be able to sell their own cocoa but they don't get that for like six years no pay only food and um in some of the interviews that i was watching these people that are selling the children that are going and targeting them they sell them at different rates based off of what they can convince the children to do for as little money so like they target people it said that like look vulnerable that are willing to just work for food and nothing all this sounds like very early uh, industrial revolution stuff like since they have no protections this is exactly the same thing that we or europeans did you know in the 1800s take child put them and take a child put them in work and pay them nothing or pay them really little and uh i mean they just, i guess the only way is to kind of install some laws to change it to i mean modern day is much better but it's better than literal child slaves yeah the, there are ways to fix this we've we've done it and it seems to be it for me personally when i was looking this up it was really frustrating because most of the time when you see a problem like this you can see like a clear solution to solving it that people just aren't doing like it's just money and that's it that's that's the source of the problem and it is here too but for the most part it seems to be that even like on a very foundational level the programs and the mandates that need to be in place to stop child slave labor in the ivory coast specifically just don't exist there's no for instance there's not a uh a compulsory education law in the country, which is the law that uh, requires children to go to school and that school be free to children. Uh, in the Ivory Coast, you, the schools that are part of the public education system, or what's considered the public education system, uh, are advertised as free. However, you have to pay the teachers as a parent, uh, so it's not actually free. And there's no law that states that they have to go because of that. So if you're, you know, six, seven years old and you want to go to school, then your parents don't have that money. You have to come up with the money and then you start working on a farm and you never leave. And it's really sad from all of the testimonials that I was able to find. Uh, it's, it's really, really sad that people get bussed over from different countries where they think they're going to have a better life because the Ivory Coast is a more stable country than some of the ones that they're coming from or it's less impoverished. They're coming over for a better life and it never happens because they're basically just stolen. And unfortunately, the hard thing is um, that it's just not that easy to grow this product anywhere, which is why you have like the total devastation of the forest and um, that these farms are in because they have to be hidden in the forest and they have to be put in particular areas to get these farms um, to be successful. So. They have to grow, um, let me see, I'm reading from Aloha Fields, which is an ethically sourced um, chocolate farm that actually grows in Hawaii. Um, and it says that Hawaii is the only place in the United States that it can grow because the plant can only grow up to 20 degrees latitude north and south of the equator. So it's just hard because you can't just move this anywhere. It has to be in only a couple of places, um, which just makes it, you know, hard to look to other ethically source places or places with uh, stricter mandates that can actually regulate something like this. I mean, Lily and I were talking about 
you know, opening up like a farm, like you see these marijuana facilities indoors. We're going to put like some lights and stuff. I don't know. Grow them. Sell them $15 a bar. Ethically sourced. We may even throw in some marijuana in there. Yes. Awfully good um, branded edibles. Uh, We're going to grow our own weed and our own chocolate. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to have our faces on it. Like imprinted on the chocolate. Yeah, 100%. We're way too conceited to not have our faces <laughs> in every bar that you take off. Our faces. Yep. Three big squares, each one with our face on. Yep. Yeah. And so another thing that I was seeing is basically we are breaking down this issue into two things it is uh, child trafficking and child labor. Um, and that's one big issue of the cocoa industry. And then the second issue is the um, environmental impact that this plays. But to tie the two together, I was seeing how, um, like, you have really young kids that are working on these farms, like, as little as, like, five years old. And they're working for years. And the pesticides that they're spraying are poisonous chemicals. And they're spraying it with no masks or anything on them. So... Like, these people are just inhaling these fumes, and they're drinking, like, river water, which I can only imagine, like, that over time, like, some of that is contaminated with these chemicals as well. Like, these people are not, you know, they're not getting fed the best or taken care of, no equipment or anything like that, and they're not even told, like, what they're spraying. Like, these are children that are using this. So, I mean, who even knows, you know, the health impacts? These people don't even have health care, so... We'll probably never know all of the damages that come out of these farms. Unless some rich white doctors want to come down there and try to fix the world. Because that's, that's scary. They actually just want to go down there so that they can take a really good selfie with a uh, malnourished child for the right. gram. Love a good uh, starving kid for the gram. Nothing better than if you read my Bible, the Lord and Savior will rescue you from this farm. Absolutely. I love the smell of white saviorism in the morning. Yeah, they'll come down and say, I know you're sick, poor, you're all, you're all dying, but uh, I built you a school. No one to go teach there. You have to pay for that. But there's a school you can't use. That's cool. Does that help? And we painted it real nice. And we'll have youth groups coming down every two years, give a new fresh coat of paint. Oh, yeah. White people love that shit. I've never known anybody who went on one of those, but I feel like I'd hate them. You didn't? They. I'm not gonna call them out by name. <laughs> I was. You and I are on the same track right now. Do I hate them? Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna put a screenshot link in our bio. Check out our Instagram. We're gonna be posting people's posting pictures on our tea. story. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, why are all these kids just like loose? Like, why can't you just run out and? pick a kid off the kid tree and just have a new child slave where are, where are all these kids coming from that's the school they're traveling there for school and they're literally being recruited at like the train station and everything right like uh, a lot of the time yes and also uh some of the countries that they come from that border the ivory coast are a lot less stable uh whether that be from war or famine and they're kind of just running towards something that's more stable because even with a level of poverty that is actually decreasing right now in the Ivory Coast from what I've been able to find, uh, it's a country that's not really all that turbulent. Like in general, 
sense of the word. Um, there's no like ongoing wars or anything that are involving that country. So a lot of times people just come over for a little bit more of a stable life and kind of get sucked into this. And these are like uh, poverty ridden countries where parents are like sending their kids basically knowing that they're going to get sold. And the people that are selling the children are like literally telling the kids, like asking them who their parents are and telling them that we will send your parents the money for you. Like, that's how they pay for school. Like, these are, I mean, here we think of it as, like, child slavery and child trafficking because of the terrible conditions, but, like, these are all that they have. So what would happen if they did want to get sent back? Do you think they'd ever find their way back home? From what I saw, nobody had, they kept, they kept asking, like, if anybody had gone back home, and they were, like, they said no, and they said it was devastating. I don't think that it's one of those jobs that you can just take off work. So I don't know how, like, it's probably one of those either you like lose it and keep in mind these people aren't getting paid like they're working for years to get to get the a part of the cocoa farm so like they don't want to like lose it because they've already worked three years and they want to get their part of the farm there's no like birth certificates or social security cards nothing i'm desperate no idea i'm just reading this thing from the washington post it says as many as 40 percent of births go unrecorded in official records so, where there's that hope. And I feel like most of those things all kind of lead back to there's no accountability and there's no education requirement. And I didn't realize how important that was going to be to this entire narrative until I actually started doing some digging. Because, like, on a foundational level, if you don't have an education requirement, then you don't know anything about farming besides what you're, you've been taught by other people. You aren't educated on pesticides. You aren't educated on ethical labor standards. There's no compulsory mandate that says you have to learn any of it. There's no real, you know, um, government official telling you that you have to do all this stuff. And nobody has any sort of schooling to be able to escape this life um, should they become part of it. And that goes for the kids that are working on the farms to the people that are owning them. You know, those those people didn't go to school either, and a lot of the time, they didn't weren't able to afford it. That's how they got in this business in the first place. And I didn't realize how incredibly important that was going to be. It sounds stupid that I wasn't capable of understanding how important education was. It makes me sound like an idiot, but I am an idiot, so. <laughs> That's some first world shit right there. Um but yeah, no, so these kids are also going not, another thing is just lack of, um, like there's lack of communication all around. Like they don't have media to tell them that these cocoa farms are bad before they go. So they have no idea that they're going to deal with these deadly pesticides. They don't even know when they're there that they're deadly pesticides. And they don't know that these people are just not going to pay them also. Um, so like a lot of kids are going there. And they're going there to earn money for their education and then just not getting paid for a long time. And then they're finding out they're getting some plots of land. That's like how they're going to get paid. And then they end up like, you know, five years go by and then they finally get to earn something. And at that point, they're not going to school. And like these people, like from the interviews, like if you go, I mean, there's numerous interviews of journalists trying to get into these cocoa farms and you can't get into some of them. But some of them, like if you 
if you say that you're from like a human rights organization, they will let you go in to check the conditions. And that's how some journalists sneak in. And you can see like the kids hide. Like if they'll spot a kid and they will go like hide from them because they're just trained. They know that they're not supposed to be there. Um, Like they know that the conditions aren't good while they're there. They know all of that. And people don't answer questions there either. It's like the blue wall of silence. It's all the same. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was doing this research too. Like we just talked about how bad police unions are and what it's like to have that much money to be able to control parts of your government. Hershey alone is worth what like a couple billion dollars like it's gotta be (laughs) you think those people have a lot of money what are you gonna do against a multi-billion dollar organization we need to bring back these like greenpeace dudes who are over here blowing up cranes and shit in in the south america these dudes are badass i would love that greenpeace if you're listening um my address is one two two Don't send them to your house. Send them to Nestle and Hershey's head away. Well, maybe I shouldn't make that threat out loud. Please come pick me up before you go. I want to (laughs) go. Yeah, I mean, those companies are worth some a couple billion dollars each, which it's no wonder that uh, these cocoa farms aren't really getting busted. Don't want to cut them profits. I mean, these children are being sold for like $300 for like five years of labor or something like that. And I guess, so from my research also, they have to have, there's no way to like expedite the process of getting the uh, cocoa because the plants are like kind of fragile. You have to like have people doing it. Like it's not something machines can do. Yeah, I saw that as well. And it's apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently it takes up to a year to be able to get the amount of cocoa that would produce half a pound of chocolate. Uh, can take a plant up to a year to do that. So even if you, you know, wanted to stop child slavery by just saying, like, well, just make them, you know, pay them. Just make them workers. It's still going to be the sweatshop situation all over again. Taking the young kids and paying them. Still children. 25 cents a day. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's children all over the world when they do these sweatshops. Uh, we got to do something a little bit more drastic than just than just saying, well, like, well you got to pay them. So that's what they do in China with the iPhones and stuff or whatever. There's absolutely ways to regulate these farms. I mean, there's ways, like if Nestle, Hershey, whatever, they decide that they're not going to buy cocoa from certain farms. I mean, they know where the farms are. Uh, you know, there's ways that they these places can go and they can get some accountability. If you can ha- have these farms monitored like at any point in time then you can have them monitored all of the time there's really it's a small jump there yeah these companies if they wanted to they could put an end to it it cost them some money why is every time we have to rely on a company to do the right thing over money they're not going to do it but it's honestly inevitable that we do find a better solution to these because i mean we're going to be running out of landscape that these farms can even like happen because um the pesticides that these people are using they're not gentle pesticides let me tell you these are literal poison uh that these children are spraying onto these fields and they do that and then that's why they're moving deeper into the forest is because they literally ruin the soil so they 
um, because they're putting these farms in the middle of forests. So they're going in and they're spraying pesticides to kill everything off. And then they are going deeper. And so they're planting the cocoa and they'll get some harvest there. And then after a while, that soil just has no nutrients. Nothing will grow there because the ground is literally poisoned. So they have to push deeper and deeper. And then they just keep doing this. I mean, it's just a cycle of like going deeper and deeper to find any good soil spraying the shit out of it with like literal pesticides killing everything and yeah that's the that's why uh deforestation is happening there and it's inevitable because of the pesticides like there's nothing that is going to be done unless you switch their products so between 2010 and 2015 uh there was 117,240 hectares of forest that were cleared to make way for more cocoa plants in just ghana so without the Ivory Coast, which is the leading producer, which, uh, in case you're wondering, is over 70% of the native tropical forest in Ghana in five years. Which is just absolutely insane. 70% of it's gone. And like Paige said, it's not, it's not coming back at any point soon. And if at all, we have no idea. Just so the uneducated assholes know also the number that lily was referring to hector <laughs> i didn't know i had to look that up it's 2.4 acres so <laughs> but what's an acre what is an acre what is an i don't acre? know some isn't it something what's we an don't acre, know Paige? like something like <laughs> this house is on three acres it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> this is not three acres dude <laughs> it's like this is like a quarter or a third an acre's a lot, dude. An acre's like, what is it, like a mile and a half by a mile and three quarters? Um, side note stupid. for everybody that's listening, um, if you ever get the opportunity to get a house that's on several acres, don't do it. Um, I used to live at a house that was li- sat on six acres, and I wanted to fully commit suicide every time I had, <laughs> had to mow the grass. <laughs> they don't tell you about that when you when you sign the lease. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck an acre is, but I can tell you it's approximately seven, 16 tennis courts. What's it? How big is a tennis court? I don't know what a tennis court is. I'm not gonna break this down for you any further. <laughs> That's a weird unit of measurement, though. Jesus Christ! I, I can't. Just, I can't spell this out to you guys. Look it up. Use Google. I don't know. I gave you a lot. So it was like what a a billion tennis courts they cleared. That's now now that's now that's in tennis courts. I understand. That's a lot of tennis courts. That's a lot. That's a lot. Of Let me tell you. You don't really even need to know. Just know it's. It's a lot. Seventy percent is an is an insane percentage. That's that's crazy. It's not sustainable. Like this land is ruined. <laughs> like it's it's not just good land that can be <laughs> repurposed and used for other things. Like this is not going to grow more cocoa fields. So I don't know. Like y'all are gonna have to just give these Reese's like eggs for Easter a break because, you know, we can't keep up. Oh, yeah, this is a really good Easter episode. Have fun with your candy this year. Yeah, feel real good about it, you fucking assholes eating your chocolate eggs. Give your kid an Easter basket, I dare you. And you don't even want to know what's in those jelly beans. It's worse than child slavery, I'll tell you what. (laughs) So do you think that the ethical responsibility to decrease or completely disband child slavery in terms of 
of the production. Does that lie with the companies or does it lie with the countries? Because obviously the people that are buying it are massive corporations, but the people that live there are part of the country. I think that it should be the countries, but it's going to have to be the companies. Yeah, it's hard. These are like sovereign countries, so you want to give them like, you know, you don't want to like infantilize them, you know, treat them like babies because it is their responsibility. And I don't know if the UN needs to step up and make it a part of the uh, the goal to stop child slavery. I don't know who's going to have to force them, but either they're going to get forced or a giant mega corporation is going to have to find a, a heart. I don't know what's more likely. Is there really a solution? I don't, I, I don't know. It's so frustrating because it seems like every solution you can possibly think of. Like, okay, so plan A. The companies take responsibility for the fact that they've basically just been, well, not basically, they've been directly contributing to, like, the largest producer of child slavery in the world. Like, it's their Profiting fault. They're the it. ones that are just, yeah. It's, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for them. When you have companies like that, what's going to stop them from just moving? They're not taking responsibility for it. They're just pushing it off to individual contractors that are responsible for exporting it. And if it's not that, then they're just saying that they can't control farmers. They're going to straight up pull a Christopher Columbus and go rape somewhere else? Rape somewhere new? Yeah, pretty much. And then we're not going to have any tropical forest left because it's all being destroyed for cocoa powder which is sounds so stupid just as a sentence i mean it's really good though it's dude lame. yeah <laughs> don't say it's really good right now i've low-key felt like a, a little guilty this entire time because i'm keep taking breaks to drink coffee which is definitely also child's child slave labor oh yeah <laughs> it's just gonna be the same story it's the same shit all the time yeah, no, it just seems like like the land is always going to be an issue. And in the grand scheme of things, cocoa production has not taken that long to completely destroy that much land. I mean, it wouldn't be that long before, like, if you move it, it's just going to do the same thing everywhere else. Um, until they come up with, like, a more sustainable way, like, of using pesticides or something like that. That's the only way that I can think of. But, I, like, even, you know mild pesticides have issues eventually. Right, and that's where it gets even more frustrating because even if, you know, at the very source of it, the farmers that are using the pesticides aren't even aware of what they do. They don't know anything about sustainable farming because they were never taught it. So even if they changed the makeup of the pesticides, it wouldn't even matter because they don't know how much they're supposed to be using. And it's just going to do it again. It's just, it's so cyclical. And it's so self-defeating that it's incredibly frustrating to try to come up with any sort of even possible scenario where these things get fixed. Everywhere you turn, it's another problem that's preventing a possible solution somewhere else. Is it education? Is it, you know, money? What is it? Yeah. So, like, to go off of that, um, like, that they just weren't taught. There's this really good documentary that I was watching. Um, it's on YouTube. It's called like Bitter Chocolate. But they were going into these cocoa farms 
and talking to the children that were working about the pesticides because like they like literally have these like strapped to their backs and are using like no mask or anything. And he was like, hey, did you guys know that this was poisonous? And they were like, no, we just spray it. We spray it all the time. And he was like, like it literally has like a red lit lid on here and like says it's poisonous like on it. It's just these kids are not taught like, yeah, no, they they have no education to figure this out themselves. And <laughs> they're just this is what they're given. I have a really fun gum, uh, game to play right quick. Do we really want a fun game right now, Clint? Jesus. I think we all deserve yes. a break and we can't have chocolate <laughs> for a break. So I'm going to just. I'm going to play my favorite game, which is how to connect everything that's terrible with Reagan. And I found one. It took a little bit, but I found a little bit of a, of a connection. Ronald Reagan, his wife, Nancy Reagan, was had a famous dish called the Vienna Chocolate Bars. So she popularized this dish. And next thing you know, the demand is so high, you have to freaking go have child slaves get your chocolate for your Vienna Chocolate Bars. Fucking Reagan. I didn't look that hard, really, to be honest. The link is just not there. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Reagan did lots of terrible shit, but he's not. He probably also fucked with the global economy in some way and made these corporations real rich and powerful, and that gave them the right, you know, the legal authority to do whatever they wanted to and have slaves. There's probably a real thing in there somewhere but this is more fun. I said it was a fun game, after all. Fuck Reagan. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> that was good. So is there any way that we, you know, an actually like good part of this podcast, besides just talking about devastating <laughs> statistics and facts, is there a way that we can eat um, ethically sourced chocolate like is there any sort of standard that is actually good that we trust yeah i think so um there are several like companies that do actually put in the work that are obviously smaller it's not anything like a giant conglomerate um but they do put in the work that make sure that you know there are no child workers on the farms and that they are paying people fair wages and it's more expensive but it's absolutely out there and you can find it it's just Kind of, they all just get buried under the giant mound of Hershey's and Mars, which is really unfortunate. How crazy is it that small companies do the right thing and and pay extra when you have these giant companies who can who can do anything? They run the world, and they're just like, yeah, I'd rather have more more chocolate, more money. Crazy. Going on that, I know that there's you're really never gonna get one hundred percent like ethical chocolate unless you go with a company who is like based out of Hawaii or something like that. Um, but anything that is coming from like Africa, I believe is probably going to have um, like at least environmental consequences to purchasing that cocoa. But there is a website called slavefreechocolate.org that goes through like different companies um, in different countries that do have, like ethically sourced chocolate that at least don't have kids making it. I'm so sorry. My roommate just walked past me with a bottle of vodka in her hand, drinking directly out of it. That's how I want to be after listening to this. When Lily was doing the research for the 
this podcast, she was literally crying. She texted me. <laughs> it took her a long time because she was crying. Uh, it's not often that I experience an emotion. You may have already said this earlier, but I was just wondering, so like where exactly does the cocoa come from? So it comes from Ivory Coast, which we've been talking about, Ghana, Nigerian, Cameroon. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? Is that it? Cameroon? Yeah. Um, but it says the Ivory Coast and Ghana are the two largest by far. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, and like, where else? So I know that you, that they still do grow um, chocolate in Mexico and in Central America as well. Uh, and I want to say that, obviously, we've already mentioned Hawaii. Um Oh, it says, like, Indonesia, Nigeria, Brazil, mm-hmm. Ecuador. Yeah, basically anywhere that's, like, on that level of the equator. It's kind of like a band, like, same same thing with coffee, that you can only grow them in, like, a specific part of the world around the equator. Wow, that's crazy. It says 90% of cocoa is grown. This is from makechocolatefair.org. It says 90% of cocoa is grown on small family farms of 2 to 5 uh, hectares. About just 5% comes from large plantations of 40 hectares or more. I wonder if that's because, like, they end up giving land to the people working. I would assume so, because that seems kind of odd. Yeah, and I was watching the videos of them, like, cutting down um, the cocoa. And because it comes, like, in the pods. And, like, they're delicate, so they have to be cut down by people. And, like, cut open um, so that, like, they don't get ruined. And it's, like, very labor-intensive work. Like, it is not easy to do. And these are just, like, in the middle of forests. So, like, it's just, it's not just easy to walk through either. Unfortunately, I don't really see a good solution besides just buying from ethically sourced companies. And even then, you you have to take the extra steps and look a little bit further. Like it's, it's almost as far as seeing where the chocolate comes from because you can't always trust those organic or ethically sourced labels that are put on these chocolate bars. I mean, there's still terrible injustices behind even those. So, and I mean, some of these are like $15 a chocolate bar to get ethically sourced chocolate, probably even more. Um, but that's probably why these big companies stay in business because people want their a dollar, like their ninety nine cent chocolate bars, and people want the cheap candy to buy for their kids. They don't really care where it's coming from. Yeah, it seems like the only like real way there's going to be any change is through something like a state sponsored organization that directly has to monitor large corporations. And without that, it, I don't I don't see how any of this is going to get solved. Because it's going to be impossible to do just on the state level. Because the state doesn't have the money to do it, for the most part, to be honest. And unless they're directly tied in with the companies that are responsible for this continuing to occur and doing nothing to stop it, there's they're not going to have any way of actually prohibiting anything. Whack. Super whack. Um, the chimpanzees are in danger. They're in grave danger. Hold the phone. The chimpanzees. I wasn't sold on the children. Honestly, that wasn't a deal breaker to me. I'm kidding. This is a joke. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's not. But the chimpanzees, they got me. They got me. I find chimpanzees absolutely terrifying, objectively. Weirdly enough. But all the wild chimpanzees that live in Ghana are dying because they don't have homes anymore. Because where their homes used to be, there is nothing but cocoa plants. If that's not enough to convince you guys to buy from actual ethical companies um, without slavery and pesticides, I don't know what will. do. If you can't do it for the children, I get it. Some people aren't about kids, you know? But chimpanzees, everybody's about a chimpanzee. I mean, Lily, I know you're scared of them, but, you know, from afar, they're really cute. Yeah, from really far away. Yeah. I thought Planet of the Apes was a horror movie, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, when they start talking, buddy, I'm saying, freaked me out. Still freaked out. Honestly, I still thought they were cute in that movie. I thought the people were the worst part. Always are. I was rooting for the apes the whole time. Also from a, like, completely... I guess, superficial standpoint, if you want a reason to buy uh, ethically sourced chocolate, Hershey bars are ass. Like, for real. That's not good. They don't even, yeah, they don't even have that much cocoa in them. No. Go get, like, if you go to, like, an independent company, they have stuff like, it's chili and lime chocolate, or, like, you know, truffle chocolate. It's, like, it's better. It's just genuinely better. Hershey bars fucking suck. Reese's are good. I'm not going to lie. but Well, then you got to wonder where they get the peanuts for the peanut butter. What kind right. of slaves made those, you know? So then it's doubly bad. Listen, I need everybody to get on board because I don't want to be the only parents that are handing out ethically sourced chocolate bars to children on Halloween. And our kid is going to look like the weirdo that's like, oh, my God, what is Hershey's? But, you know, if I have to do it, I will. But I don't want to pull the whole team on my back. And start handing out those weed candies everybody's been talking about for like thirty years. Come on. Yeah, I'm just uh I'm just handing out tabs of acid this year. Actually. <laughs> I'm trying to get this party started. It's not Oregon, honey. <laughs> it's it's either acid tabs or I'm giving out floss and toothbrushes. So take your pick. So you get the option. I'm gonna give everybody the option at the door. Do you want this tab of acid? Or do you want this Colgate toothbrush? Choose wisely. You're, you're going to have a lot of floss left over. Can you imagine if they took the acid like right then and there? I don't know what the term is because I've, I've never done acid. If they took, if they did the acid right then and there and then finished out going like trick-or-treating with their kids, that's terrifying. All the kids, like people dressed up. I actually cannot imagine a situation more terrifying than being out on Halloween while on acid and there's a bunch of tiny vampires and mummies running around you. The thought of that is so monumentally <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with Sour Patch Kids. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is other candy, I guess. Right. Yeah, or just <laughs> get off of chocolate. Yeah, you don't need chocolate. Like, just grow up. Be an adult. There's probably, there's probably shitty stuff about every company, but you know, right now, for this, for this episode, no more chocolate. Sour Patch Kids for everyone. Until we come out with an episode ruining that. But then we'll just start a cycle over, so. No more chocolate. No more Easter baskets. No more s'mores. Oh. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Buy the good shit, people. 
Come on, spend a little extra money. But at least you know that you're not forcing a little child to go and work for it. I mean, we'll focus on your sweatshop clothes later, but right now, no chocolate, okay? Let's put our foot down right now. At least, the least that you could do is do it for the chimpanzees. I mean, if you're not in it for the kids, you don't give a shit about the environment because you don't plan to live that long. I get it. Chimpanzees, okay? They're sad. You know, like they're out there dying. Nobody wants to look at a sad chimpanzee. All right. I think that wraps it up for this episode. I think that we know, we know, guys, on a scale of awful to good, what the fuck is cocoa? Chocolate, if you will. It's, I'm going to rate that a Christopher Columbus out of 10. Oof. That's devastatingly bad. That's very awful. I'm going to place it as um, being forced to watch uh, eight hours of flat earther documentaries on YouTube. It's that awful. I'm going to rate that as having to eat a whole uh, package of flour with no water. Straight. Just eating straight flour. But with like grubs in it or something. Flour is pretty bad. Like it's just powder. Like how do you get that down? That's like the cinnamon challenge, but like. One after one after one after one. It just keeps coming. It's the quantity. And the years keep coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop. All right. That wraps it up for this episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about TurboTax. More like Turbo Whack. We're going to learn the truth behind America's most popular online tax filing system. Is it scamming you? Are you paying too much money? Hundreds of dollars more money? Is TurboTax coming for the military? All right, guys, this is Awfully Good Podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.